This morning, if you would, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Some of you that are versed in the, uh, well versed in the scriptures may have already known that I was going here, but here we are, Hebrews 12, and you may remember, and if you're new with us, we are going through a series of sermons on the creed, and literally we are going line by line and saying, I mean word by word and saying, is every word of this thing biblical? And what we've found so far is that it is. And we've got a few more affirmations, and we're done. Uh, we're doing one today, and so we, we have coupled some, and, and some we have, you know, there's 12 affirmations total, right? So there's 12 affirmations within the creed, and we're literally going line by line and seeing how biblical they are. And here we are today with this one, which we've already sung today, which is the Holy Catholic Church the communion of saints. So we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. So let's dig a bit here in the scripture and make some uh, affirmations this morning. Notice here in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're just going to read, you know, it's really difficult to stop reading here, but we're just going to do two verses. Notice these, these very powerful words this morning. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, we need your help once again as we look at the mysteries of our faith. Help us today. Increase our faith, we pray in your most holy name. Amen. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. You know, this is an affirmation about ultimately the church. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, which is the body of believers of the church... And so we may not oftentimes look at having to believe in the church. You know what I mean? It's like, believe in the church? I mean, i got to believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection and the incarnation and the prophets and all the miracles. i got to believe in those things, but it's easy to believe in the church, right? Or is it? Because notice, (laughs) I mean, just emphasize it again, it's the holy Catholic Church. It's not just any organization, but instead it is holy. You say, okay, well, where's the rub, man? Well, have you ever been to church? <laughs> um, 
Some people don't go to church because they've uh, been to church. You know what I mean? There is a host of Huntsvillians, or however you want to say that, that don't go to church because they've been to church. And what they found there was not holy. So, (laughs) doesn't it take a little belief on our part to really say, I believe in a holy, universal church? Takes a smidge of belief, especially once you've actually gone to church. Because if you haven't noticed, there's some unholy people at church. And yet the church is holy because of its head. Christ, and all those that would come under that head and be connected into the mystical body of Jesus himself. And that is something to be believed. You see, this is an article of our faith that we must believe in this thing called the church. It is not a side issue. It's not an option. It is the core of our faith that we believe in a holy Catholic church. And so on this Palm Sunday, uh, which is also, by the way, known as Passion Sunday. And this is universal. You know, used to Catholics would, like Roman Catholics, would actually celebrate Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday differently, but everybody after Vatican II celebrates them the same day. And there's a reason for that. Because this day, this day where where people are taking and, and cutting palm branches off and waving them and shouting, Save us, Messiah, Son of David! You're the true King. We want you to save us. As they're saying that, within a week he'll be murdered. He'll be killed. He'll be betrayed by some of the same voices. And we're told on this day that not many people really knew what was going on. And some of them said, hey, y'all need to be quiet. And Jesus says, if they were to be quiet, even the rocks would cry out. Because they know what's going on maybe better than we do. Which is often the case in the Bible, isn't it? It's like the people who should be in the know are not really in the know. You know? You know what I mean? It's like the people who are closest to him, they're like, uh, what, what's, what's going on? I mean, <laughs> we looked in, in one of our small groups, we looked at a text where, where even after the resurrection, you know, Jesus is about to go, to, he's about to ascend into heaven. Like, he's done with his earthly mission. He's about to literally be seated at the Father's right hand where he is now in his position of power. And right before he leaves, they're like, hey, so um, <clears throat> are we going to take over Rome now? And he's like, I mean, I would have just given up probably at that point. I'm like, all right, guys, listen, uh, I'm just going to snap my, I'm not even going to do a big show here. I'm just going to, I'm just leaving, you know. I mean, I've been with you three and a half years, and, and, and this is still what we get here. Sometimes the people that should be in the know, they aren't. Isn't that what we find sometimes at church? The people who should be loving, 
the world even accuses us of this, right? There's a bunch of unloving people at church because they know that there should be love at church. There should be mercy and compassion and mission and selfless, self-sacrificing, self-deferential love. Today is a day of sharp contrasts, of praise and of sadness when Jesus enters Jerusalem. For when he enters Jerusalem, he's not waving a palm branch and shouting, he cries. And he weeps over Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, those who have killed the prophets. And here he is, a prophet riding into Jerusalem. There are some sharp contrasts between celebration and death. Shouts of joy and tears of sadness. The church also, in reality, is a place of benefacting and betrayal. I mean, Jesus himself sets this pattern, doesn't he? Right there under his nose is one who is stealing from the pot and will betray him. We say, what in the world, Jesus? You're God. You, could, you should have known that and got rid of him. I got news for you. That's not God's way. That's, that's our way. It's like, get rid of those people, erase them, delete them. I'm done with them. Or in millennial language, you're dead to me. No, no, Jesus had a motley crew of disciples from various backgrounds with various personalities. And yet, they were his. He called them his own. He even gave Judas the bowl, the bread, the cup. Allowed him to sit at the table. Which is part of the reason why we have an open communion. Who am I to say? No sinners gather every week around this table. That's God's way. Sinners and saints. He doesn't just go around erasing people. He gives people every opportunity possible to repent and believe. And we have to believe that. That's something to be believed. Well, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I mean, you know, the idea of church is great to anyone. The church looks fantastic on paper. But in real experience, sometimes we find sharp contrasts from what we should find. What we think we might find. I mean, I find this as a parent, often. You know? 
I mean, signed up my kids for baseball and for soccer and for scouts and every weekend I pray it rains. Because the reality of going to those games is like watching paint dry. In my mind, I think, oh, this is going to be great. The next Deion Sanders is on his way up. But when I get out there and watch in real life the experience, I'm like, whose kid is that anyway? In our heads and in our planning... Uh, we see it one way. But on the ground, in this real life trenches, it's different. And some people give up. Some people call it quits. Some people, when they see these sharp contrasts, they leave the community of the church. But brothers and sisters, that's not the answer. It's good news he doesn't get rid of the sinners. It's good news he doesn't get rid of the unholy ones. To be sure, there will be a day of reckoning. There will be a harvest day. But it's not today. It's not this hour. He has given us this hour to repent and believe. We may not have another. But this day is given as a gift, as a present. And so, we have those who call God Father, and we have those who are following the Father of lies. All in the same mix. Welcome to church. That's how it's going to be to the end, friends. Get used to it. Whether you... (laughs) Want to be holy or not, when you sign up for the Holy Spirit, that's what He's doing. He's making you holy. And whether we like it or not, sometimes we even are the tool that helps other people either be hellish or holy. Your response to people is your response to people. No one makes... Victor Frankl in his book detailing the atrocities of the Holocaust. He was there. He was in the camp. And he writes about it and he says, the one thing they couldn't take from us was how we responded to their evil. They couldn't make me do evil. They couldn't make me hate them. We always have a response. And that response shows our heart. Jesus says this in Matthew 13. He says, Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. 
So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares or weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. Well, the servant said to him, Well, do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. The wheat and the weeds into the barn or bound to be burned will be together until harvest day. Until what the Bible calls the day of the Lord. You ever seen how it like capitalizes day? All of a sudden you're like, they're trying to capture the fact that there is coming a day where he will separate the sheep from the goats. Tares are common weeds. Weeds are grass that you don't want to grow. You know what I mean? That's all it is. It's grass for somebody else. But weeds are not unique. They are common. We are to be holy, not common. Not profane. That's all, that's all profane means. It's common. When you make something common. When you make life common. When you make words common. When you make marriage common. When you make friendship common. It's no longer holy. And you profane it. You see, there are hypocrites among us. I've been one for many years. And if we're honest, we all have our hypocrisies. My dad is a wise man. He, uh, he's had many people come up to him. He's been pastoring for over 30 years. And he's had all kinds of people come up to him and say, look, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites up there at that church. He tells them flat out, you know, if you know my dad, this will make a lot of sense. He tells them flat out, well, you can go to church with them or you can go to hell with them. One is for a time, the other one is for eternity. We're not getting rid of hypocrites anytime soon. Because thankfully, he saved a hypocrite. Paul says, I'm the chief of them. Chief of sinners, right here. Thankfully, thank you, Jesus, he doesn't rip up the weeds with the good fruit. He leaves us waiting and praying that we'll turn. Repent. Believe. Because when we're connected to the true vine, we'll produce good fruit. It's just as simple as that. A hypocrite is just somebody who is a pretender. Somebody that's a deceiver. 
sanctimonious. I liked one definition, a plaster saint. Nice on the outside, dead on the inside. Doesn't Jesus have the harshest and strongest words for those who were closest to the truth? To those who were far off, he didn't have harsh words. Go and sin no more. But to the Pharisees, to the hypocrites, he said, you're nice on the outside with flowers all around like a grave, but on the inside, you're dead. You don't have to live like that. I've lived like that. I'm, I'm telling you the God honest truth. I, you ask me the questions. I've got the answers for it. I've got some answers. It may not be good enough for you, but I've got some answers. I know where to go in the Bible. I pick it up and I turn it up and I already know the context. And it, that is not what Christianity is. I was dead on the inside until he made me alive. I grew up in church and I was a hypocrite. Thanks be to God, harvest day hasn't come. Shouldn't that change the way we see those that are difficult to live with? Especially inside the house of faith. Paul tells the Corinthians, <laughs> who I always think it's so hilarious, he starts off the book by saying, saints of God at Corinth. I'm like, have you read the book, uh, Paul? Sure look like saints, bruh. To ask him about that. I don't know if he had a typo in there or what, but no, he didn't have a typo. We are all called to be holy, every single one. And we've got to have a heart that is willing to wait for some who Paul calls weak in the faith. Maybe they've been in the faith for years and years and years and they still don't have that heart of love. Pray for them. Pray and love them and wait patiently. Isn't that what Jesus does? Aren't we following Jesus? Or are we just going to pop off with our words? Defend ourselves? We need to leave that behind. We need to lay that aside. church isn't just filled with hypocrites or liars or just bold sinners. It is filled with the communion of the saints. There is a real mystical communion with Christ and His saints. And our spirit can be one with His spirit and your spirit. I mean, I've literally met people on the other side of the world. India, Haiti, Northern Ireland. And immediately upon a meeting them, I knew they had the Spirit of God. We didn't have to hang out a long time. And yet, we have those who I know had the Spirit of God and are not with us anymore. They quit. They gave up. They did not persevere.
this communion of saints that we believe in is a real communion. It doesn't have a time limit on it. This is what's awesome about this communion. When we say the communion of saints, we're talking about that cloud of witnesses, right? That cloud of witnesses is mentioned elsewhere in Daniel and in Jesus' passion. If you read through the story of the passion, when he is being accused of false crimes, he never answers. But then, when they say, well, are you the Christ? He has to speak up at that point. And what he says is there's a cloud of witnesses. Now that term witnesses, if you look it up in the Greek, it's martyr. It's the same word. Those who have been martyred, all witnesses have been martyred because they've died to themselves. Whether physically or not, we are called to a cross. If we're to follow our Lord, he went to a cross. How do we think we're better than he? We're not. I'm not. I need his cross. My sins are there. My bondage is there. Nailed forever. Thanks be to God. This communion of saints is a a common confession. We all believe the same essentials. Wesley set a course that echoes, who's the founder of Methodism, that echoes the words of St. Augustine way back in the 300s, who said, in the essentials... Belief-wise, let's have unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Is that the way we believe? Look, I love a good argument. But at the end of the day, if that person doesn't leave knowing I love them, I have failed miserably. I used to not think like that until his love was shed abroad in my heart. I thought knowledge was the answer. It is not. Some of you don't need to learn more, read another article or what. You need to ask him. Just ask him. You say, I, I, I don't know. I, I might need some this or I might need some that. Ask him. He will do it. I've seen him do it over And over again, and and I'm telling you, the lives that he's changed, the deepest are the most beautiful. And sin looks differently. Look, I never went into a life like my dad did. He had a, you know, crime to Christ testimony. That wasn't my testimony, but my sin was just as deep. It was a deep selfishness, self-reliance. (laughs) and throughout the years he's been whittling away all right we're going to get rid of this this year you sure about that i think we need that no no less of you more of me we got to be growing we've got to be connected to the mystical body of jesus christ a real communion together this community of saints this communion of saints reaches back all the way to Abraham and before. Any who have believed are the cloud of witnesses. All who will believe will be the cloud of witnesses. Our unity comes through the Holy Spirit of Christ. Have you received the Holy Spirit? That was our one question last week. 
Have you received the Holy Spirit? The author of Hebrews tells us how to persevere. And listen to me. When I say this, my heart literally breaks for those who I know have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and they walked away. I have friends who have walked away. People that were in my dorm room at a Bible college that walked away. And they are not in the faith today. The writer of Hebrews says, the only way to persevere is to look to Jesus. He said, wow, that's really elementary. Yeah, but it's hard to do. I always think of um, my pappy's dog that he used to have. He had this, uh, this black dot on it. I can't remember the name of it now. And it was so obedient to its master, who was Harold Dagg Sr. And what he would do is he, <laughs> he would sit down. He'd say, watch this, son. He'd sit down and he'd place a peppermint. He always had peppermint for the kids. Any, any kid he met, he gave him peppermint. He'd sit down, put a little piece of peppermint on his knee. You know, unwrap it, put it on his knee. And this dog would sit down before him. And I'm talking about that dog like peppermint. You know what I mean? It was drooling. You know, it's kind of like right before you eat a pickle, you kind of get that salivating in your mouth, you know? And that dog would just sit there and salivate and wait. Now, how he waited was not by looking at the peppermint. He wasn't looking at the peppermint. That was a trick. He was looking directly at my pappy's face. And he'd sit there and he'd say, watch this. And that dog would sit there patiently. And I'm talking about as soon as the words began to come out of his mouth, that thing was gone. I mean, I think that dog got to where he could read the eyes of my pappy when he released him to eat the peppermint. Oh, Lord, could we have that kind of obedience to where we didn't move until your face shone upon us and showed us the way to go? Could we wait when it doesn't make sense to us? Could we wait on you when we don't understand? Which may be most of the time. Could we be obedient? The answer is yes, if our eyes are on the Master. I believe in the holy... Catholic, which means universal, church. And I believe it because there is a real communion of saints. I know them. You know them. They're here today. And when you're around them, you want to be a better person for Jesus because they want you to be a better person in Christ. Don't we need people like that in our life? I have to have people like that in my life. I have to. That's why we band together. That's why we gather up on Sundays to greet each other in person, presenting our body as living sacrifices to Jesus, 
who is our head. You believe in a church like that? Let's have a church like that where even the worst among us are welcome. Because I've been the worst among us. And he welcomed me. And you welcomed me. Let's be patient with each other as God has been so patient with me. And with you. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. We believe it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.